Well, let's look at Hebrews 13, verse 5. We've been in a series called God is With You. Thank God He's with us. That'll change so much uh, when we believe that. And that, that just resonates in us and, with, and uh, as we go through our day, that if we, we are conscious of Him being with us, not a mental ascent just kind of in the background somewhere, but we're conscious that He is with us all the time, that'll change our lives. It'll change how we act. It'll change how we react. Uh, verse 5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be con content with such things as you have, for He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? End of verse 5 said, For He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We have His word. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He is with us all the time. In the NLT, verse 5 says, For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Never. He's not going to abandon us. Not going to leave us. Not going to fail us. In the Amplified Classic, the end of verse 5 says, For He, God Himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, or forsake, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Now people can fail you, but God will not. And sometimes it's tempting to get your eyes on people. Get your eyes on men and women, and what they can do and what they cannot do. But we're not to look at people. If you look at people, then you can be distracted, then you can be disillusioned, you can be frustrated, you can be upset. Your expectations cannot be met. But if we look to God, He will never fail us. Now, He uses men and women. But He's not limited to any man or woman. He's not limited to the government. He's not limited to a corporation. He's not limited to some organization or group. God, He's only limited where He's limited Himself, where He said, I will not, or I cannot. Like, He, he will not override your will. He said, he, He's given men a free will, so even if it's for somebody's good, He's not going to override their will. Well, he, he is, people can, can mess up, people can fail you. And so, if we start looking at what people can do, then you can look and say, well, wait, what about such and such? Because, you know, this was going to happen, or uh, this person said that, and they didn't do it, or, you know, whatever. And... If we get our eyes on that, somebody said something. Somebody fell in the church. You know, somebody, they got up boldly and proclaimed things, and now they don't even serve God. So, and people, the next step is, well, so something about God's character. That doesn't have anything to do with God's character. That just means some person fell. Well, that shouldn't surprise you. You shouldn't fall out of your seat. If you fall out of your seat and get surprised because some person fell, th th that should be a wake-up call. 
our eyes are on the wrong thing because people will fail. That's why we need a Savior. But just because we have a Savior doesn't make everybody live perfectly. So people can fail you, but God will not. He said He will not abandon you. He's not going to let you down. Uh, it, and this is the case with the will of God on the earth. The question is not whether or not God's will is going to get done. The question is, are you going to be involved with what He's doing? And if, if, there, if, if He goes to one person and that person doesn't take care of something, you know, goes to one person and asks them, they're like, no, I don't want to do that. You know, people say, would anybody ever reject God? Sure, they do it all the time. Go to somebody, ask them to do something. They're, they're, they're too busy. They're doing something else. Go to another person. They're too busy. He'll go just keep going down the line until somebody says yes. And sometimes you may wonder, why is that person used? Because they said yes. Because they were available. Well, so-and-so is, they look like they're so much more qualified. Yeah, but maybe they were busy. You don't know. You can't judge hearts. You don't know everything the way it worked, but God does. But God's work is going to get done. But we don't have to look at people and get off track. Let's look at Isaiah 41.10. These are just verses that we've gone over. We've gone over some of that, but that's all. Get everybody on the same page. And Isaiah 41.10 said, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my, my righteous right hand. So the first part, he said, I am with you. Then the third line says, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you. Notice those things. He said, I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to uphold you. In other words, he's helping you to get done whatever it is that needs to get done. Philippians 1 verse 3. Let's go there. We looked at this last week, but go into this and then go a little bit further tonight. It says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He who began the good work in you, he's going to complete it. In other words, God's doing something, he's bringing you along, he will complete it. He's working in us. He's working with us. He is in us. He's with us. And He's bringing us along. And He's preparing us for His plan. Look at Hebrews 13, 20. These are verses we've covered. That's why I'm moving. I'm not spending a lot of time on those. Hebrews 13, verse 20. It says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Verse 21, see the previous verse says, Now may Jesus, and then verse 21, make you complete in every good work to do His will working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight. So Jesus is helping to make you complete in every good work 
Why? To do what He wants you to do. Working in it, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight. In the Amplified Classic, it says, so the previous verse says, May the Lord, and then verse 21, strengthen, complete, perfect, and make you what you ought to be, and equip you with everything good that you may carry out His will. Notice, He's equipping you and strengthening you and completing you. Why? He's given you and equipping you with everything good that you may carry out His will. So there's a process where He's adding to you, but there's an end to carry out His will. While He Himself works in you and accomplishes that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. So He is equipping you, strengthening you, completing you. He's equipping you with whatever you need so that you can do what is pleasing in His sight. So that doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. He's adding to you over time. Aren't you glad God doesn't expect you to be all polished and done and completely perfect by tomorrow? Now, on the inside, that you have, you, you've been recreated. If you've been born again, if you've trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you have been changed on the inside, but we have work to do on the outside, and it doesn't happen overnight. And what you're going to be in the future and what you're, the path you're on is not going to be completed tomorrow. We're works in progress. Now, that's not making an excuse for us just to mess up. That's not saying, oh, so we're just dumbing everything down. doesn't matter what you do. No, it matters what you do. It absolutely does. Just don't expect everything to be done tomorrow or next week. It's, it, it takes time. Philippians 2, verse 12. Let's turn there, and this is really what we'll get into tonight. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, now, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. No, that's just the context this is in. But this is not saying somehow you're supposed to earn salvation. It's at the very beginning of this book, it's, it's talking to Christians. So it's not, this is just saying, you work out your salvation. You walk out your plan, the plan of God for you. With fear and trembling, that doesn't mean, doesn't mean you're scared. It means reverence God, do it seriously. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. So he said, work out your own salvation. Work out your path, what God has called you to do, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. So that goes along with what we read in Hebrews and in Philippians, He's working in us. He's going to complete it. He is strengthening us and uh, completing and perfecting and equipping us with what we need to do His good pleasure over time. Here it says, 
It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. In the Amplified, it says, this, it says it this way, For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you. It's not your strength, it's God who is at work with it, in you, both to will and to work, that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for His good pleasure. So He is, at, he is strengthening and energizing and creating you in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for His good pleasure. So He's not going to change your will, but as you give Him your will, and as you take the steps that are before you, He is going to equip you, and He's also going to help you have the right desires to go in the right direction so that you will fulfill your purpose. Notice it didn't say somebody else's purpose. And in context, well, you know, or not context, what, uh, well, yeah, in this verse, we read, it's, it, before this it says, work out your salvation. Work out the plan that God has given you. Don't look at somebody else because they may have a completely different purpose and now you're trying to equip yourself with what they're supposed to do and you will fail. And you'll just waste your time because you're trying to get equipped for something that you're not going to need to use. You know, when you go on a trip, you need to pack according to your trip and what you're actually going to use. You don't take everything in your house. That's called moving. And that's a pain. I don't like moving. Some people may like moving. Some people do it all the time. You know, in certain areas, they're moving all the time. Military and stuff, God bless them. But if you go on a trip, sometimes the biggest challenge is what do I bring and what do I, what do I leave? You know, I went to the Netherlands a, a few years ago and, uh, you know, I don't want to check my baggage. I'm only going to be there, you know, for a week. And I want to be, be traveling light, so I'm just, tra I'm just packing a, a carry-on, which means I need everything for that week. You know, all my, my business clothes and, you know, everything else you need in that little carry-on. <laughs> that was strategic. I spent some time figuring out what to do, you know, rolling stuff up and just trying to get the right stuff in there. And if I did not think I was going to need it, it did not make the cut. Don't really need that. Why? Because I don't have space for it. It's not going to help me now. You know, when we go on a two-week vacation somewhere, again, I may be bringing more stuff, but I don't want to be bringing, you know, in that case, if I'm driving, well, yeah, I got space. Might as well just load her up. No, you, you know, then you gotta, you, you're just taking space for something else. Just why, why, why do you want it to stay there? But if, it, if it's in the, the summer, I don't, I don't pack my winter coat. I don't pack my snow boots. You know, I don't take my, my hat and my gloves and all that stuff. No, we're traveling light. In fact, we were, we were traveling last year, 
and we are expecting to have uh, stuff on the roof, you know, because we have a setup so that we can put stuff on the roof. But after Shelly, she did an awesome job packing. After she was getting it down, we were like, we don't think we need that. We just can fit it all in here. Well, great. I don't have to mess with that thing on my roof because if it rains and things, I don't want to have to, you know, take any of that stuff in uh, to the hotel or any. I, I just, I don't have to worry about it. It's gone. So that's what we did. And we traveled light and it was great. But the point is, you don't just try to add stuff to you. And in that case, it's, you know, you don't need to bring an extra suitcase of stuff that you're not going to use. Well, we have a purpose in life and God has called us to do something specific. And if you look at everybody else and what they're doing, you may be tempted to try to add something to yourself that you don't actually need. Or you may think, I need that, when actually God knows where you're going, you don't, and you may not need it. And if you spend a bunch of time or money, effort trying to get something that you don't need, you're just wasting your time. At the end of the day, not going to add to you, not going to help you. So we need to work out our path. God is working in you uh, to will and to do for His good pleasure for you. Don't worry about your neighbor. I mean, you love your neighbor. Don't worry about where they're going because you're like, yeah, but they, they have this and that and they're taking this. Yeah, but they're going to a different place. They're going to Antarctica. Don't worry about it. They need a lot of stuff you don't need. <laughs> but all I got is shorts. Yeah, but you're not going there. It's okay. Well, I don't have what somebody else has. Question is, what are you supposed to be doing? Because God said he'd help you get equipped. Think about it like this. Any money you spend on any education you don't need, it may make you happy, but if you didn't need it, when you look at your whole life, you really want to spend time on the things that you're actually going to need. You know, some people become lifelong, like you want to be a lifelong learner, but they're just perpetually getting another degree, but not really doing something with it. Well, we don't have time to do that. You'd be better off just getting something that you can actually use and then get right using it for the kingdom of God than learning till you're 75 and then you don't have anything, you know, to do at, that, at the, rest, the rest of the time with all the stuff that you, you were trying to add to yourself. But really, if you would have just gone on, you'd be learning all along and God be helping you all along. God is, but, but look, notice what it says. It says God is effectively in the Amplified. Can you put up the Amplified again? It, for it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you. Well, if, now it doesn't mean he's going to do everything. But he is the one helping you, and it's by his strength, and he's going to know what to add to you. And he's going to create in you a desire to do what you're supposed to do. If you don't have a desire to do it, then I'm not talking about just fleshly desire like, well, you know, I don't want to do what God called me to do. No, if, you don't, if you're thinking, I really want to do such and such, but I feel like I should do something else as in somebody else is doing it. So I, I read it in a book, but you really have a godly desire. I'm not talking about desire for something that's wrong. A, a godly desire to do something, then you need to check with God. You need to check with the Lord and say, am I supposed to be doing this or that? Because He's going to give you desires to do what you're called to do and to fulfill your purpose. 
and he's going to work with you on that. He's going to add to you for that, and it's a process. Look at it in the, the Living Bible. It says, for God is at work within you, helping you to obey Him. You know He'll help you to obey Him? Thank God He'll help you. Sometimes you can be like, I, I, I don't really want to do that. But you want me to do that? I mean, Jesus Himself said, when He was going to the cross, is there any other way we can get this thing done? Father, you know, if, if we can get this done a different way, let's do that. But He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He's praying. Sometimes that's called the prayer of consecration. That's what you have to pray. I, I believe this is what you want me to do. In the flesh, I don't want to do it. But you, He will help you obey Him. He'll, he'll, if you look on the inside, you'll have a desire to do what He's called you to do. Now, your flesh may go, I don't want to do that. But don't look at your flesh. You know, if you're listening to your flesh, you're going to eat three pizzas and two tubs of ice cream every day. I mean, you know, you're going to just sit there. You're never going to go get up, go to work. You're never going to exercise. You're just going to tell everybody the first thing that comes to your head. If you listen to your flesh, you're going to be in a mess. Okay, so everybody's got flesh. Nobody's flesh is sanctified, like set apart. Nobody's flesh is like perfect. So we all have to deal with that. So we're not talking about fleshly desires. We're talking about on the inside. You could be like, yeah, I really want to do that. Now your head could go, you don't, you don't have the ability to do that. You don't have the equipment to do that. That doesn't mean anything. What you have to do is look on the inside and say, God, what do you want me to do? Is there something there? We talked about being led. Well, this is part of it. Your desires can be the way you're being led, godly desires. But sometimes we dismiss those and say, well, that's just me. Well, what are you talking about? You talking about your head? You talking about your flesh? Or are you talking about your heart? Like, I, I just, you know, that really seems like I'd want to do that on the inside, but your head's going, fool, there's no way you could do that. Just look at. You said, look at what you have. Look at what you've been equipped with. You can't do that. Not talking about that. We're talking about what's on the inside. You could have a, a desire, and God will help you to obey Him, the Bible says. It lines up with all the other versions we read. He, he will create in you the longing to do what He has called you to do. So it says, For God is at work within you, helping you to obey Him, and then helping you to do what He wants. So He'll help you to obey, in other words, to decide you're going to do it, and then He'll help you do it, to do the what He wants you to do. So if you feel like, God, I'm having, a, I'm having trouble. I don't know if I really want to do such and such. I, I believe I want to do this with the innermost being, but I'm just having a hard time looking at everything. Pray about it. Well, I don't want to pray. I, mean, I don't want God to know I don't want to do it. He already knows. <laughs> Come on. He already he knows everything about you. Well, that would be not faith. Because I'm not believing him. Well, yeah, so then you go and be honest and say, Lord, I'm having trouble here. Jesus said, if not my will, but your will be done. Isn't it okay then if we go, Lord, I, I don't see how this would really go. This is what I have, but you know, help me. Help me to obey you. <laughs> That's okay. The, the one man came to Jesus and said, I, I believe. Help my unbelief. Well, now you're, you're sick in the Holy Spirit on that. He can help you. Do we want to get to where we're supposed to go or not? If we do, 
then we just need to say, hey, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if I look at this whole thing in the natural, I'm not sure I'm going to get there, but Lord, help me. Help me to obey. Help me to, to go forward, and then help me to actually do it. And He will. See, every person has the seeds in them. I'm talking about Christians. So you've, you've given your life to the Lord. You have the seed in you to do all He has called you to do. Young people, I mean, I, when, I was, when I was preparing this, I, I had a special thing. When I say, you know, I was just thinking about young people. Now, you, whatever you consider young, just jump in and consider that I'm talking to you. Because if you haven't, that, that changes over time. What youth used to consider young and what you used to consider old, that changes. You know, I used to think where I am now, that was kind of old. Not super old, but, you know, it's, it's old. Now I don't think it's old at all. And people that I thought were super old, I don't think they're that old. So if you just want to say, hey, this is, I'm young, good, it's a mindset. But even people that are, you know, maybe a few decades or less or, you know, two, three decades or less, you know, you have everything, the seeds in you, to fulfill God's ultimate plan for you. But it's not all developed like it's going to be. And we know this very well. You could have a person that is playing a sport. They have a certain level of ability. They may have raw talent but they're not developed to the point they will be. In other words, there are people that could have pro-level ability or talent, but they can't go and just say, hey, I'm here to play, play pro ball. Well, you look kind of short. Yeah, I'm 10. Well, maybe you have some more developed. No, I mean, I, I got the goods. Well, they may be very well that they are that good, that they will go and play, but not today. I do this one kid, you know, he didn't play pro ball, but one kid that I um, played ball with, baseball, when this kid swung the bat, he looked like a ball player. I mean, he had the swing, everything. He, he it, it was different than the other kids around him. I mean, he was at a level above already. You could tell the guy's got some natural ability, can't teach it, can hone it, and he did go on to play some level of a ball. He, he, I don't believe he made the pros. Another person, if I call the person's name, uh, my family know who I'm talking about. Uh, I didn't play with him, but I, this was with soccer. This kid's picture was up in my high school when I went to the high school. As a freshman, he made all state. And he had already you know, transferred out of the state. By the time I started as a freshman, he would have been, I think he was a sophomore. Now, when I started as a freshman, he was already a, a junior, but he had already transferred. But as a freshman, he made All-State, and everybody talked about the kid. This kid is good. Well, he went on to play. Uh, his, his team, we, uh, in, in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, one year we hosted the the finals of, I want to say it was the under nine, I think it was all the, the younger ages, but the under 19, under, under 17, and all the, the ages, the finals for uh, soccer, for the youth leagues. And his team was, was there. 
he came and played, came back to Nebraska playing for another team when I was playing in the finals. And then he went to play college ball, and then he went and played pro ball, and then he coached pro. But when I went to school, so he had the goods, and he was good. But when I went and showed up at, at high school, his picture's up there as a freshman. He, and people would just talk about him, how, how good he was. Well, he was head and shoulders. I mean, he was a short kid. So stature-wise, he wasn't that tall. But skill-wise in soccer, he just was that much above everybody. They were like, wow, this kid can play. Well, proved it out. But if he would have tried to step as a freshman in high school, go and try to step with the pros, he would not have had the stature, the ability, the strength to do it. The, if he would have said, hey, I'm here to coach pro ball players, he'd look at him and go, how long have you played? Well, I, ju I just made all state as a freshman. What are you talking about? Sign me up. He'd look at him and go, well, you're good, but no, you're not going to coach people that are like older than you. But he had that in him. He was going to coach pro teams. Not today. But he had it. He was going to be that. What you have, God is working in us to, to will and to do His good pleasure. And what you're doing now, see, He's with us. He's with us doing that. What's He doing? He's helping us. He's working those things out. But sometimes we get our eyes and say, yeah, but I believe I'm supposed to be doing that, that out there. But He's bringing you back and going, but what are you supposed to be doing now? Develop that now. He's going to bring you along. Thank God He brings us along where we are. If you had to be where you're going to be 30 years from now today, you couldn't do it. And sometimes that's what trips us up because we have a desire and it's a godly desire to do something. And we see where we are and we're like, but I can't do that now. He's not expecting you to do it now. He's just expecting you to do what he's called you to do. And he's going to work with you to do that. And he's going to give you the desires to do that. And we have to sometimes shelve the other and say, it's a desire, but now bring it back. And what does that mean for me now? What, what do I need to act on now? Let's look at 1 Timothy, or excuse me, 1 Samuel 17, verse 31. Let's go to 1 Samuel. Look at David. <clears throat> so David here, right before this time, this, this is in the uh, 1 Samuel 17, it's a great chapter. Um, but this is when Goliath is harassing the Israelites. He's basically going out there every morning. And, you know, they got their, their battle lines drawn, and one represent, he, uh, or excuse me, the, um, Goliath goes out before all the Israelites, and he just mocks them. He mocks their God. He mocks the Lord. And, and he just basically says, who's going to come? Who are you going to send to fight me? You, you send your best to fight me, and I'll take them. And he just mocked them, and they wouldn't throw, they wouldn't uh, send anybody. So David goes down, and, and he hears Goliath doing this. And so verse 31 says, Now when the words which David spoke were heard, so he's going around asking, he's like, what, what's going to happen for the person that takes this guy out? He's walking around doing this. And so then they, people heard it, and they reported it them to Saul, who's the king. Notice the king's not out there fighting. No, but none of his men are out there fighting. These guys are down the road. And he sent for him. Verse 32, then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go out and fight with the Philistine. In other words, I can do this. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth 
and he is a man of war from his youth. So here, Saul is actually telling David, look, sit down, you're too zealous. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth and when it arose against me, I caught it, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Notice, he is saying, even as a young boy, he already had a track record, and he said, I've already done this, I've already done this. I've killed the lion, I've killed the bear. This clown is going down. I'm taking him out. And Saul listened to him. It says, and Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. He talked the king into it. Verse 38, so Saul clothed David with his armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a, clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk for he had not tested them. So Saul gives David all his stuff. And David said, he tries to walk and he, he can't, he hasn't, he hasn't used them before. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I have not tested them. So he took them off. So he has done something. God was preparing him and showing him and putting in him what he needed. And so he already had a track record when he came up in, in, in front of Goliath and talked to Saul. He already had a track record. And so he said, I can't take your stuff. I haven't used your stuff. Verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had in his sling, and, in, and his sling was in his hand and he drew near the Philistine. So he got the things that he's used before. See, God had already prepared him to this point. He's still a very young man. But he, he, he knew... God, and he knew that he had seen God work in his life. And God was doing things in him, and this was his first. You know, this is, this is when everybody then knew who David was, because, of course, you know the end of the story. He went out and he killed Goliath. Look at Psalm 18, verse 1. This is written by David. This is after... God had rescued David from Saul. So Saul, Saul had issues. Saul was chosen to lead the people of God, and, and he was literally a head above all that are people as far as height. He looked like a king, but his heart wasn't after God, and he, he just made decisions that weren't good. And then he tried to kill David. David was actually wanted to serve Saul and had a heart for him. And Saul was listening to the devil all the time, listening to evil influences, and he tries to take out David constantly. Well, so when he was delivered from some of this, this is uh, when David was delivered, David is writing this. But notice his heart. What I want you to see is he understands 
where, he, where he's gone. He understands how God has helped him. He understands that God is his source. David was not a man that had just such stature in of himself, but he had a heart after God, and God prepared him to lead and to be a king. He said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The pangs of death surrounded me. And the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him even to his ears. Verse 28, skip down to verse 28. For you, Lord, for you will light my lamp, and the, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, His way is perfect, and the word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in Him. For who is God except the Lord? Who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength. Notice he understands how he got where he was at this point, and that's what brought him through to become the greatest king that Israel ever knew. Sure, Solomon did some stuff on the shoulders of David, but David's the one that the Bible calls a, a man after God's own heart. But notice when he was young, he was already on that track. When here... This is partially way through. His heart is after God, and he's walking it through. But he knows something. He knows where his strength comes from. Verse 32, It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under me, so my feet did not slip. See, he's acknowledging, God, you did this. You're helping me. And that's, the, that's his, his approach that allowed him, even though he made mistakes, even though he wasn't walking perfectly, that heart after God, knowing God was helping him, knowing God was his source, knowing God was his strength, knowing God's the one that helped him not to slip, that helped him to do the ex exploits. He knew that and he grew over time. And he grew into the stature that God had planned for him. But you could see it when he started out, when he was a youth. He already, he already was trusting God, and he trusted God to a point that even people that were much older and, and uh, more uh, skilled than him backed away from the challenge he stepped up to because his trust was in the right place, and even then he did great things. But he still couldn't step into what God ultimately had for him. And sometimes in this day and age, because of uh, you know, the way our society is now, 
there is a focus sometimes on young people that on certain abilities, skills, uh, you know, competencies. You see people that are billionaires that are very young, and it makes it like, well, age doesn't matter. Uh, you know, experience doesn't matter. Wisdom doesn't matter. Because look, if you have this ability, I mean, it's true. A lot of young people are the ones that are playing, you know, with the exception of like Tom Brady, most people that are playing professional sports are the younger, stronger people. Over time, you just can't do that stuff. Well, that gives, and then you've got people that are rock stars and stuff. What, a lot of times, they're the young people that are appealing to young people. And so if, if, if young folks aren't, aren't uh, careful, they start saying, well, I, I mean, I can do it all now. You may have ability. You may have tremendous ability to do certain things now, but make sure it's submitted to what God would call you to do. Because then you'll be in it for the long haul. Then you'll actually be able to bear up under things later. And ultimately what God's plan is for you, you don't go by your ability, you don't go by your strength in certain areas, you go by what God is saying and submit all that to Him and know that he's got a path, he's going to use your abilities, but he's not depending on them whatsoever. It's up to him. His path for you is not dependent on your strength, it's dependent on him, and then you put all your abilities under him and let him use what he chooses. That's a, that's a recipe to be strong over the long haul. But I want you to see that, yes, over time, that God will develop us all over time. And He's adding to us over time. And the things that He's ultimately called us to, we may have glimpses of, we may have abilities, we may have things that need to be honed, but they're there. But timing is so important. Thank God He uses us and brings us up over time. I mean, thank God He doesn't give up on us and say, well, there's no way I can deal with that lump. Look at it, it's just a lump. There's no way I can form that. It's just a lump of clay. No, we're supposed to be like, Lord, you, you help me. You mold me into what you want me to be. But he does that, and he's doing it right now. If we're submitted to him, he's doing that in our lives. He's helping us. He's moving us. He is, he is working in us to will for his good pleasure, to do and to will for his good pleasure He's adding to us, but sometimes we're looking and go, wait, well, but yeah, but now. Yeah, but, but I don't understand there. And we missed the next step. David wasn't ready to become king right at the beginning. He had a whole lot of other stuff to deal with and learn, but he was, he did have a heart and he did step out and he was able to kill Goliath yeah. at 17. Incredible. But he wasn't ready to step into everything else. And over time, he was developed and it would just stay with him, stay with God. He'll, de he'll develop us. He's working things out. Zechariah 4, 6, we'll close with this. Zechariah 4, 6 says, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Not by your strength, not by what you see, not by anything in the natural, but by God's Spirit, He's going to be adding, molding, helping. He's with us to do that over time. 
And so leave the time up to him. If you do the right thing at the wrong time, it becomes the wrong thing. With so many areas. And just because you have something in your heart, and like I said, when I was preparing specifically, and you take it, you know, whatever age you are, you know, I'm talking, I'm saying young, but you just take it. But specifically people that people would normally think of young, you know. Teens, you're early, just developing, just training, different things. Submit it to God. Know that the things that He's put before you are going to be worked out over time. And so just act on what He's telling you to do now so that you'll be ready for the next step. If you're ready for the next step, then you'll be ready for the step after that. And if you're ready for the step after that, then you'll be ready for the next step after that. And eventually you string it all together, you'll get to where you need to be. But if you try to jump to this thing, you have a glimpse of something in your heart and you're thinking, no, but I want to do such and such. But it's not before you. It's not actually what God has for you to do. If you keep trying to leap to that, you actually won't progress to it. You'll just stay here. You'll just keep trying to jump. But all you need to do is just come back here, take that next step. And be sure you're prepared for what God has called you to do now and just let Him work it out. Let Him add to you. Go to the next step. Go to the next step. Go to the next step. And then you'll wake up one day and you'll be walking in some things that you only saw glimmers of, but they're here. And they're now. But the only way to get there is to do it step by step in God's time and to let God be the one that's working in you. You're submitted to Him, but He's working it out. You'll get there. Every, every person in here, I mean, if Jesus, if Jesus doesn't come back soon, every person in here is going to live out their life. Every person that has served God in all the, the previous centuries, listen to me now, I don't believe this is just me speaking. I believe this is something that somebody needs to grab a hold of. Everybody that has ever walked out their life that was living for God, they started out young and they progressed through life. And what they did in that life was dependent on what they, how they reacted to God and how they depended on Him. But everybody, if Jesus doesn't come back and everybody that's gone before us, they lived out, out their life. You don't have to be in a hurry. And if Jesus comes back, you're not going to care. You're going to be in heaven and don't worry about, well, I didn't get to live out my life. You will not care. Heaven is not going to be going backwards. It's going to be going forward. But every one of them started out young and had to walk out their life and they did something with their life. So that is the natural progression. Don't be in a hurry to jump to where you're older. Can I get an amen from anybody that's lived for any length of time? Why do you want to jump to be older? It's not that it's bad. It's just it will happen. You don't have to try to make it happen. You're going to wake up and you're going to be down the road. It's just going to happen. So what you do now in each step is so important. Don't try to jump to the next step. Don't try to jump and do, make something and add it to you. Make something happen in your own strength. Add it to yourself because you see God, you think there's something there that maybe you're getting a glimmer of something down there, but you want it now. Don't do that. Just do what you're called to do now. Be humble. Listen to people that have gone before you. Listen to wisdom. They can help you on your path to get to where you need to be. They can hone what you have for ability or talent that's submitted for God. It can be honed by the wisdom of people that are older than you. Listen. 
Don't think you know everything, because none of us do. But some of us have been around longer than others, and we learned. How do you learn sometimes? By making bad decisions. You don't have to, but sometimes, if you have, you learn what not to do. Well, you can pass that on, and if you're just walking early in your life, take advantage of somebody else's mistakes. You don't have to make all the mistakes. You just say, oh, okay, yeah, I was thinking about doing that, but you said that was a really dumb idea. Okay, maybe I'll just not do that. And you just saved yourself three years of heartbreak. God is working in each person. It's where we submit to him and that we allow him to work in his time, in what he wants to do, and we'll get to where we need to be. Amen? He's faithful. And regardless of what stage your life in, if you're still listening and you're still breathing, you're not done. So take the next step. And don't go back and don't let this... Now, we're, we just, we're speaking to, to people that are younger. Don't go back and go, yeah, if, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Forget all that because that's irrelevant now. Where are we right now? And what does God have for us now? And Lord, what are you saying to me? And what do I need to hone right now? So that I'm ready, because any time I waste thinking about the past, I'm not going to be ready for the next step that God has for me coming down the path. So I just need to get busy getting ready for the next thing. How would I know what that is? Just listen to what he's telling you to do, and you'll be ready. Amen?